And everybody's probably saying, hey, wait, where's Matt? Well, Matt's doing some other stuff today. So, hi, everybody. I'm Jen Peoples. I'll be your host today for this episode of The Atheist Experience. It is Sunday, January 18th, and with me today is John Eccoletti. Hello. How you doing? Good. Good? We haven't been on a show together yet, so this is cool. I know. This is the first time. So, The Atheist Experience is a live call-in TV show sponsored by the Atheist Community of Austin a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, and we have a number of events throughout the week, including um, a web radio show, The Nonprofits, um, our lecture series at the Austin History Museum, which actually happened today. Um, and, of course, we have other Sunday activities, including uh, a regular Sunday brunch um, on every weekend that we don't have uh, the lecture, and also a post-show dinner at El Arroyo. Um, if you're in the Austin area, you're welcome to join us for any of those events. And also, don't forget, we have the Texas Secular Convention coming up at the end of February. It's running uh, February 27th through March 1st, I believe. Okay, that's going to be here in Austin. And we're co-sponsoring that. Yes, yes we are. And um, also, um, ACA membership year um, expires at the end of February, so renewal time is just around the corner. Um, If you're an ACA member or you would like to be, now would be a good time. Um, and you can find out more about our activities by visiting our website at www.atheist-community.org. And I believe you have a topic today, right? I do. It's not of much consequence. It's a little quick topic that um, came along with the new year. Um, there's some weird shit that comes across my Facebook feed sometimes. Like uh, Carrie Underwood, atheists are furious that Carrie Underwood's new song is about Jesus which my response was name one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I, I saw this picture, this elaborate sandcastle, you know, like they like in the sandcastle contest, and, it's a, and the caption says, atheists think that this formed randomly with the wind blowing over millions of years, to which my response was name one. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, this article came across, it comes from Salon.com from January 1st, uh, the title is, I get it, you're an atheist, you should still capitalize God. So uh, that caught my eye because I generally don't capitalize God and I'm kind of uh, compulsive about grammar. So uh, so I read this article. And basically, his uh, it's by Richard Eskow. And the little pull quote says, Using lowercase God is like Fox News hack saying Democrat Party. It shows dumb disrespect to others and grammar. Um which, you know, I think this is, first of all, kind of a strange thing to get bent out of shape about. I think yeah. Democrat Party is a strange thing to get bent out of shape about as well, um, especially to write an entire article about it. But his, his argument basically is it's a pro- God is a proper name. You would capitalize Tinkerbell, even though we kind of all agree Tinkerbell is fictional. 
So you should capitalize God. Um, of course, how arrogant do you have to be to name your your particular deity God? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's one of my one of my points is God is a generic term, um, and and yeah, I even wrote down rather arrogant for some people to claim their God is the one and only God named God. Um, we have a, a little dog at home, and the name that was given to her by her human captors is Pepper. Mm-hmm. And so I would capitalize Pepper because to distinguish her from the substance Pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll say, I'll call her dog. I'll say, hey, dog, come over here, dog. What's yeah. going on, dog? And if I were, for some strange reason, to write that down, I wouldn't capitalize dog because she's a dog. Her name isn't right. dog. Um, I, I think that that's the same way with God. It's not, it's not a proper name. And I would capitalize Yahweh. I would capitalize yeah. Zeus or Thor or, or Odin or even Flying Spaghetti Monster. But I think God isn't really a proper name. I generally will just avoid the whole thing by referring to it as is the Christian God or or the or your God or your God yeah. or God God or gods uh, yeah. to make it a generic term but I I think to to say that it's disrespectful and it's bad grammar isn't isn't really true well and if it is disrespectful so what <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean unlike the Pope I think it is actually perfectly okay to criticize someone's religious beliefs obviously yeah (laughs) so you know when i do it it's 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 not to show disrespect but i kind of question the whole the whole premise you know we're going to name our god god as if that's the god and you better capitalize it or you're you know you're being disrespectful and hateful i I don't buy it and we're going to punch you in the face or something (laughs) yes so that's my my little rant and there's some other more consequential stuff happening in the news, but I thought after yeah. last last week's um, Charlie Hebdo thing, was, which was pretty heavy, I thought maybe we'd lighten it up a little bit today. So. Yeah. Well, and, and there's actually some good news in the news front, which is, um, well, I guess depending on how you think the court's going to rule, but the Supreme Court has actually agreed to hear the marriage equality case. Yeah, that's big um, news. So the, the circuit courts have split, and now the Supreme Court has decided that it has to weigh in on this. So um, I guess they're going to hear arguments in April, and so we should have a decision this summer. We're going to find out if um, if uh, marriage equality is a piecemeal thing throughout the country, as it currently is, um, or if we're going to have marriage equality as a law of the land. Um, and as it stands right now, um, marriage equality is a reality for 36 states. There's only 14 that are holding out, um, vainly clinging to the 19th century. Um, so we'll see if we can drag them into the 21st century yeah. with this. And I liken that to 1967 when the Supreme Court heard a case on interracial marriage. Right, the and, uh, Loving v. Virginia. You case, heard a yeah. lot of the a lot of the same arguments that it was unnatural, and mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court said nonsense. So let's hope that they have the same wisdom now. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, my screen went away here. So, um, do you so ready it. to go to calls? Yeah, let's, let's All right, go ahead. so let's go to calls. Let's see, we have, uh, looks like we have Mark in Canada. So, hi, Mark. Hi, how's it going? Uh, Jen? Yes. How are you today? Good. 
Um, yeah, as you know, my name is Mark. Um, I'm an admitted Christian creationist, believe in a higher being that created everything. So I'm calling today because I have a question for atheists about their fundamental beliefs. Now, from what I've read and understand, you guys believe that anything that cannot be proved through observation of the traditional five senses, sight, hearing, the touch, sound, smell, and uh, taste, if you can't observe it through the five senses, then it's not real and it doesn't exist, correct? Where did you get that? This is what I've read about uh, atheist philosophy and what I've heard of it's, a number of atheists. That, that's not an atheist speak. philosophy. Yeah, I think first of all you should understand that atheist atheist just means you don't believe in God. Period. It doesn't say No, 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 no. I know, but how do you determine if something is scientifically real or if it's just imagined? If you like how do you determine if it exists or not? Like that's what I'm saying. I read that how science determines if something exists or not is by the five traditional senses of sight, touch, smell, we have sound and we have many more ways besides human senses to determine if things are real or not. Okay, but yeah, yeah this is, do you believe that, that humans only have five senses to determine, like, perceive things? Why is that even relevant? That's I mean, where, where are you going with this? What, what question do you really want to ask? Well, that is the logical fallacy that I find with atheism, because you believe in evolution, yet you don't believe that we could develop more than five senses of perception to perceive our reality. Well, I think that if you, if you actually understand what science does, we've actually extended our ability to perceive things by using yeah, instruments that... Yeah, intellectually, I understand that. Okay. But I'm, you understand that I'm we can detect about, things that humans can't perceive with five senses, right? Yeah, using technological devices. Right. right. So you really you're asking a question about the scientific method, not about atheism. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I'm asking about the scientific method, but I'm asking about atheism because atheism believes and follows what they follow because they follow whatever science has proven to be fact and anything outside of no, that. No, that's not what atheism... Atheism doesn't believe anything. Atheism is a response to a specific claim. Well, that's what I mean. You... you don't step out of what is known. You make all of your decisions about your life based on what is known fact. No. No? No, we're not claiming knowledge about whether or not a God exists. What we're saying is that we don't believe that a God exists because no one's been able to demonstrate to our satisfaction that such a thing exists. If you, you, if you could provide evidence that doesn't rely on five senses, I'm not sure what that would look like, but... Uh, basically, we don't believe something for which there is no evidence. So if you came up with some evidence uh, that, would, that would satisfy that question uh, that was not related to the five senses, then we'd be glad to hear it. Okay, well, that's good, because uh, do you agree that one of the 12, consistent, one of the 12 uh, constants in our universe is uh, electrical magnetic fields? Um, again, I have no idea where this is going, but okay, for the sake of argument, let's agree to that. Where are you going with that? Yeah, we do live, we, we basically live on a supergiant magnet floating through space orbiting the sun, right? Um, okay. And we're, we're not cosmologists either, so. Yeah, your point would be? 
and we're all basically walking electrical magnetic field, right? <laughs> okay, where, where are you going with this? Are you Why, a cosmologist? I'm going with this. I'm going with this that maybe the reason that you have not able, ever been able to perceive the existence of God is because it requires a sixth sense development. Or maybe, maybe your God doesn't exist? Um, then I know, I know citing names is not enough to be, to, to be proof, but hey, there's some really amazing people from history who did believe in God. Isaac Newton, Thomas Edison, Yeah, it's possible to be really intelligent and still believe in a God. And uh, Abraham Lincoln, do you know he abolished slavery uh, in U.S. Uh, again, again it's possible to be really intelligent and still be wrong about that issue. It doesn't mean their belief I in know, God was... I used the God argument to abolish slavery. Well, they used the God argument to justify slavery yeah. for years, too, so I don't think that's all that relevant. I think scientists can believe in God and not believe in God for scientific reasons. Would you agree with that? Sure. So, okay. so you claim you claim to have a sixth sense for perceiving God. So, what is that? What is that like? How how is it that you perceive God, and what is this? How does this sense manifest? What manifest? is the sixth sense? Well, I already gave you a hint. We live on a supergiant electrical magnet, and we are all electrical magnetic fields. All life forms are emitting electrical magnetic fields. So, I don't know. Is it not logical to assume that that sixth sense would be the ability to detect electrical magnetic fields? And so you think that we're atheists because we don't have the ability to detect electromagnetic fields? I'm saying that that is the very essence and sense of how you detect and sense the presence of God. It is a presence. Electromagnetic field is a presence. It's not something you can see, feel, hear, touch, or smell, or taste, so, but it is a presence. Okay, but we have, uh, we have um, you know, detectors that can actually detect electromagnetic fields. You, yes, so, actually, yeah, you do, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Have you ever seen the show Paranormal Witness where they take... <laughs> Uh, electrical de detection devices into so-called places where there's been spiritual activity and things are going off the gauge and they're like, we can't say exactly what happened here. All we know is there's stuff that's tripping our equipment. And, you know, when you come up with something that you can't say exactly what's happening there, the correct answer is, I don't know what's going on. there's a on. presence that's tripping it's, their equipment. Well, no, it's not to make the assertion that there's some presence there that's making their equipment go crazy. What's um, making their equipment go crazy then? Well, we don't know. But, but you know, claiming that it must be a god is not justified. And you do know that those shows are nonsense, right? That stuff is all scripted and... Yeah, anyway. some of them are, but, you know, so I've seen some yeah. real factual ones where they do act well, real... How do you tell the like, ones that are scripted from the factual and, ones? And expose the hoax of it, not make a hoax out of it. Okay, so, so how, do you, how, do, how do you tell which ones are scripted and which ones are factual? I'm just curious about what your method is. I don't, but I'm just saying that I see that on both sides, the ones that try to make a hoax and the ones that try to discredit and debunk the hoax even come back and say, hey, we can't explain this, but there's stuff tripping our equipment. And what stuff is that? They don't know. They can't explain. Exactly. They don't know. So, so what's the basis for claiming that it's something supernatural? Well, what's the basis for not? Because it's you don't be know. Something. But it's got to be something. If you make a positive claim, 
you need evidence to back that up. I'm not making. I'm not making a positive factual claim. I'm just saying, hey. No, you're. You're actually. You actually person, are. You're saying that there's something supernatural that's causing this electromagnetic thing. No, 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 no. I'm saying, as a free will thinking person, I am choosing to believe in a free thinking society, freeing my mind to believe what I want to believe about that event and phenomenon. Okay, and you, I you know that. To attach a supernatural. You know that belief I is not a choice, right? You actually don't choose your beliefs. You're either, How do you figure that? You're either convinced or you're not. So something has convinced you that this is a supernatural event. So what is that? Whatever I observed. Okay, so so seeing a TV show that you admitted there there are lots of uh, hoaxes going on on these TV shows. No, that was just an, that was just an example because you used you were saying about we have equipment to detect electrical magnetic fields and other right. things like that, and I was just using that as an example to show you that there have been people using these electrical magnetic detection devices and detected presences of electromagnetic fields from sources they couldn't identify or verify. How do you get from that to God, though? Because I yeah, haven't I, seen a show called God Hunters where they, you know, yeah. the presence of God was tripping their equipment. So, so when you when you have a the sense that tells you that there's a God, what does that look like to you, or what you know what measurements does that do you? Okay, hold on. Let, let, Hold on a second. Let me just jump here for a second. I'll come back to that. But just, I want to ask you a question. You believe in the, the, the court of law and how the court of law operates in your country and in the world, right? In, in free, in first world free thinking countries, right? I'm not sure what you mean by believe in. I, um, yeah, we have a court system and it, and it and works most of the time. It, yeah, it works pretty well, well but it has it. You think that is a... You, you, man, okay. So... What I'm saying by that, in the court of law, in all free world, first world countries, three witnesses are considered to be enough substantiating, three witnesses that have that witness the same thing are considered enough substantiating evidence to be considered fact. No. That, that's news to me. I've never heard that before. No, in the that's, US not a, that's not a criteria system. for anything in a court. I, there there well, can be one witness if there's enough evidence, or there right. can be... If it, 900. Yeah. If three witnesses testify to seeing the same thing, but there's other evidence that refutes that, that testimony, then those three witnesses, that testimony has no value. Okay. Fine. But the point I was, where I was going, trying to go with that is you, you, I'm, I'm assuming you've all heard of the AA 12-step programs in, in the USA, North America, and across the world. Boy, this is like a gish gallop of topics here. But yes, we've heard of that. Okay. So... Are you aware that there are millions and millions of people worldwide who claim that going through the 12-step program and coming to know a higher power creative being helped change their lives and are no longer addicted to drugs and alcohol? I, I, agree, that, I agree that there are people that claim that, yes. Yeah, and are you also aware, because I'm one of those people, that's how I came to Christ. I grew up in an atheist family, and I was a non-believer, and I didn't see any substantiating proof to convince me that there's a real God. But I was at my bottom, and I tried everything in my life. I tried everything. I went to therapists, doctors, everything. And the only thing that was left was, hey, you know what? Why not give it a try? What do I got to lose? Okay. So I opened the door and said, okay. And guess what? As soon as I opened the door to God, as soon as I started to pray, as soon as I 
started to open my heart to it, I was changed. I don't have a drinking and drug problem anymore. Well, and that's the same thing that millions well, of the people across the world who participate in these programs will say. I congratulate you on your sobriety, but my question would still be, how do you know there's a God and, and that's what made you sober? Yeah, because from where I sit, it looks like you did all the hard work. You actually are responsible for your sobriety. And you should give yourself more credit. Yeah, you did it. I, I do give myself credit. And you asked me if I called them before. Um, yeah, I called them before. I called in, and, and, you said, and you guys said the same thing to me when I called in a few years ago. So you know what? Just to be completely scientific about it, see, God doesn't force himself on anybody. If you ask him to leave, he'll leave. And it's kind of like this. Imagine well, I, I think your God people. doesn't exist, so I agree he doesn't force himself on anybody. Okay, so you know I believe in God, so just entertain my thoughts. You're trying, you're trying to understand why, so I'm telling you. Okay. So imagine you have digital cable, right? Imagine you have digital cable, right? Okay. I have and it, so it's not much of an imagination. you decide that, hey, I can't afford digital cable anymore, so I need to call the cable company and downgrade to analog cable, basic cable. Not an option anymore, but yeah, okay. Sure. I, it's it's just a metaphor. Yeah, go ahead. I understand. So that's what I did a few years ago when you guys said that to me, right? And I'm like, okay, let's see if the, I did this by myself, if there's some supernatural being helping me. So I'm going to kick out of my life. And sure enough, I did that. So that's why I gave that analogy. If I had digital cable and it was like downgrading to, to uh, analog cable, you know, because I can't afford to pay the tax, to pay the extra money to have digital cable. I can't afford the emotional tax of having a supernatural being that I may not know really exists because, hey, people are convincing me that maybe it doesn't not real. And guess what? It's nothing to do with me because I did keep trying my hardest. I did keep doing everything that I was doing before and going and doing all the things I was doing. My life started to fall apart. What do you mean by you kicked him out? Did you stop believing? Yeah. I find it hard that yeah, anyone I, could just turn it on or off like that at will. Yeah, yeah. I did. I said, okay, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm going to I'm going to reboot my mind and become a completely scientific mind where I believe that we evolved from monkeys and apes. And, hey, there's, there's you know nothing what? to I, all I, this. Mark, I'm going I'm to stop you here because, I, actually, I think you're being dishonest. Okay, because I'm not. What you're, I'm what not. you're describing is not possible. You cannot reboot your mind and pretend you don't believe something. Something convinced you that a God is real. Maybe it was the fact that you became sober after so many years of trying, and that was a, you know, a real emotional moment for you, and that convinced you that a God was real. You can't just discard that on a whim. Yeah, you just you and many pox with my brother, convinced me that God was not real. So I, I, I don't believe it. that. Okay. I'm sorry. I think you're lying. You're either lying okay. to us or you're lying to yourself because you can't do that. You can't just turn it off and pretend hey, that you don't believe. You know what? You know what? You know what, Jen? I, I acknowledge that, hey, maybe I self-sacrificed and self-sabotaged myself because I didn't feel as strong without having a presence in my life. I don't know. I, I That is a possibility. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because you can stop going to church and and going through the motions, but that doesn't really, I don't think it's really going to change your internal belief structure. Yeah, yeah, and not only that, but I mean, if if your church is a part of your social network and you cut yourself off from that, then you you know from having been through, you know, a recovery program that cutting yourself off from people that are helping you, 
um, is actually going to jeopardize your sobriety. You know that. Yeah, I guess, okay, it could be that. I don't know. All I know is when I said the first prayer and I was brought into my life, the reason, the, the presence I felt, the reason I felt it was real is because it felt like, you, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this description before, it felt like love and joy and, and happiness and peace was a tangible thing, and I was wrapped up in a blanket, and it was, it was a presence that was just there with me everywhere I went. I, I have no doubt that um, people's religious beliefs often come with some kind of emotional um, response, especially when they engage in um, rituals like prayer. You know, I, I have no doubt that that produces an emotional response in people. You probably get a serious endorphin rush, and you know, it feels good. I, I don't deny okay. that, that that happens to people. Okay, I just got one last question for you, and then, then I'll let you go and move on to other callers. Um, okay. I would like for you, if you could, please, explain to me the C.S. Lewis phenomenon. He started out as a devout atheist who set out on a mission to disprove God, to enlighten all humanity, and all he ended up doing is proving the existence of God to himself. Um, he came to see that I, all the evidence and research he did, he came to see that the only logical explanation is there must be a God. I don't know. How do you explain the Matt Dillahunty phenomenon? <laughs> he set out to prove that his God was real because he wanted to enter the ministry. Um, the more he studied, the more he realized that he couldn't uh, continue to believe um, that a God was real, and he had to reject his former beliefs. Oh, okay. and, oh sorry. One, one, one more thing. I just because mm-hmm. I, I just thought I saw that I had a list of notes I wanted to ask you about. Um, I'm sure you're aware of what's widely accepted by the whole scientific community, including Stephen Hawkins, as the string theory, right? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I guess it's called the string theory. I'm not sure it's actually formally a theory, but yeah. Okay, yeah, and it's it's considered the most accurate theory that describes everything that's in existence and what's going on and all uh, again, that. Again, I'm not sure that that's actually a good description of it. I'm I'm not a physicist, so I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a cosmologist. I can't, I can't either, speak so. to string theory with any kind of authority at all. Yeah. And, and frankly, okay, whatever well, it says, um, whatever whatever point you want to make about string theory, I assure you it has nothing to do with why I'm an atheist. Actually, it does, because this is what I was trying to get to. I I watched and studied and read a whole thing on string theory last night, and according to string theory, the seventh dimension, the seventh dimensional, uh, the seventh dimension of existence, the well. seventh dimensional existence and reality, and all the scientists agree on this that it is a hyperbrain. Okay. You know, I'm not making that up. I, I, I understand. But you know what? I, I got three callers on the line here, so I'm, I'm going to actually cut you off. If you want to continue this, you can email us. Okay. All right. So thanks for Bye. the call, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Right. He read a whole thing on it last night. <laughs> um, okay. We, we should have gotten the, the title of that. but. Uh... Yeah. Well, maybe he'll email us and he'll give us the title of it soon. Yeah. So we have Patrick from Australia. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi, Patrick. Hey, how, how are you? Guys? We have some Australians in the audience with us today, too. Oh, that's good. I'm actually a New Zealander, but I live in Australia. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say um, I've, I was born an atheist, obviously. I've been an atheist my whole life. And just recently I thought I'd start reading the Bible. 
And after reading parts of the Bible, it sort of changed my mind. It's changed my perspective. But I'd like to tell you how it's changed my perspective. I think I've gone from being an atheist to an anti-theist. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? So when you say anti-theist, you mean you're convinced that there is no God, or do you mean uh, like you're against? I, I think it's more that I'm, I'm against what a lot of it stands for, I, I guess, because I've had a lot of it when I was obviously a lot younger and couldn't really think for myself. I had a lot of it forced upon me, but that's when I made my mind up to think, this isn't really working for me. But as I've read that Bible, I just thought, how can honestly, how can anyone believe it? But secondly, how can anyone feel that the God of that Bible is in any way a moral being. Yeah. That, that's, I think, what I, what I don't like anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that um, a lot of Christians did what, um, what I did when I was still a Christian, and that is that they look at the Bible as like a collection of a lot of metaphors. And, yes. And, you know, it, and that most of it's not to be taken literally. And if you look at, at the way the Jews interpret a lot of, you know, um, you know, what we call the Old Testament, um, you know, they agree that most of these are not to be taken literally. Um, but, the, you know, the, there are the biblical literalists that think that every single word in the Bible is absolutely true and, and it can be nothing but the truth. Um, and so for me, it wasn't so much what was in the Bible um, as the, the people that were interpreting the Bible that kind of made me an anti-theist. Um, and so, you know, I, I still have friends who are liberal Christians who don't take it literally. And, you know, we we disagree, obviously, on the existence of a God. But I don't worry about them, you know, um, you know, killing somebody that has a religious disagreement with them or or them sending their their gay kid off to some, you know, um, uh, conversion, you know camp, conversion camp or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I still think they're providing political cover for the, uh, the more extreme elements. So. Okay. And, I mean, I, I guess what I wanted to also get at is, obviously, well, well, especially in New Zealand, where I was originally from, but even in Australia, there isn't that real push for creationism to be introduced into schools. Yeah. So it hasn't really been on my radar, per se. But after watching a lot of debates on YouTube, and YouTube is, I think, going to be the death of religion. But anyway, yeah. um, after watching lots of debates... Obviously, there's the idea that it is creeping into American schools, and well, that is a concern, and that's why I think my perspective is slowly going that way as well. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's something that we have to be vigilant about here, but in terms of, of school systems formally adopting that as a curriculum, as at least public school systems, um, every time the creationists have tried to get it into a public school curriculum, they have lost, and they have lost big time. Um, yeah. This is not a, you know, oh, you could interpret this as a, a minor slap or we just need to tweak the curriculum. It was a, a massive smackdown every time. So um, it, it's it's unconstitutional and not even a little bit, you know, it's not a gray area at all. So yeah. they keep trying, especially the, yeah. here in Texas. Yeah, they're going to keep trying and we're going to have to keep arguing it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely um, something we have to remain vigilant about, but it's, you know, it's not currently sure. part of the curriculum. Okay. That's a, and that's a good thing. But um, well, one, probably one last thing. Uh, reading the Bible uh, and, and obviously Ken Ham answers in Genesis and whatnot, with, mm-hmm. 
with Genesis, um, there's a section in there where there's a mention of us. Genesis one twenty six to let us make man in our image. Right. And and has become cool. like one of us. And I've seen all these explanations of oh, it's because he's talking about the Holy Trinity, but that hasn't even been introduced right. yet. So right. that's such a huge thing to talk about, but no one seems to. Right. Yeah, not only that, but that that is actually a Jewish text. And so if you want the correct interpretation of that, you really should be talking to a rabbi. And you know, and if you talk to a rabbi, um, they'll tell you that the Trinity is not part of of you know Jewish theology at all. So exactly. You know, the, yeah, that whole oh, they were talking about the Trinity. That's not true. They were actually talking about, um, I guess the uh, the pantheon that existed in that area at the time. And I guess Tracy did a show long ago on yeah, the, on those gods. gods. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. That's, that's one of those cases where they try to retrofit some text into something that yeah. they decided later and said, yeah. here, see? You know, they're talking about the Trinity. Well, no, not really. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I, just, I just want to make one last point, if I can. Um, the last guy, Mark, uh, the caller from Canada, he started off saying he was a creationist. Mm-hmm. But then he said he believed in a free-thinking society. Yeah. Was, was that the definition of irony going on right there, or what? <laughs> Could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, there's some horrible stuff in the Bible, and I think most people, most Christians deal with it by just not taking it literally. Yeah. Like you were saying, and and saying, well, times were different then. And I've heard a lot of excuses. Yeah. uh, But... You know, there are people out there who think that when it says you should kill a witch or you should kill a homosexual, that that that's really true. And if only the government would let them do that, we we would have a great society. And that's scary. Yeah. Let's see. Let's talk to uh, Anthony in Washington D.C. Hey guys, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a first time caller, and uh, I'm currently a year into my atheism. And this call, this show is you know, a big part of that transition. So I just wanted to say I'm a big fan, and thank you for the work that you do. Oh, welcome to Reason. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I just wanted to get some, uh, get you guys' thoughts on a couple of things. And uh, it, it, it is in relation to what happened in, in France, uh, I guess, a week or so ago uh, with the murders. And, uh, you know, this, it's crazy. And just to see that type of evil uh, manifest in the world, uh and so, you know, what was really fascinating to me was the response to some of those issues because there seemed to be two trains of thought, right? And uh, the first train of thought, which is what I agree with, you know, um, the you know the magazine or the publication they put out material that's offensive, right? Right. And uh, and you know you have people who feel like so what? So what if it's offensive? You know, people get offended every day. Uh, right. Well, and the if, thing is, if you don't, uh-huh. yeah, that that magazine, um, they they put out stuff that's provocative, whether yeah. people consider it offensive or not. That's kind of an individual interpretation, you know, and they can't mm-hmm. make that interpretation for people. So I, I think the you know they deliberately put out provocative stuff. Yeah. A- absolutely. And what's been sort of a uh, I, uh, I guess it's troubling in a way was the other side of the coin because I've seen a lot of people on television sort of, hint, including the Pope, 
you know, sort of hint that, you know, that, you know, pretty much every, most, almost everybody that I've seen react to this condemns the murders, but there's this, there's a, a whisper of, yeah, but they shouldn't have put out those publications because they offended a lot of people. Have, yeah. have you, have you seen that? Um, yeah, I did, I did see that something about the Pope said that, um, you, you can't, criticize other people's religion or their faith or whatever. And, yeah, you know, and he, also, he also made a comment about, and I think his point was that, you, you, you know, you can't criticize it because it's, uh, it's going to offend a lot of people. And they said something about, like, if you said something about my mom, I think he was probably joking, but a punch awaits you or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I definitely feel like if, uh, if you, it, it really shouldn't matter if it offends a lot of people. If you like it, buy the magazines. It doesn't. You, right. you shouldn't. You know. Um, but the, I, I just thought that it was ironic because I'm a former Christian, right? Yeah. And I went to a church in the South, and some of the things that were said about atheists were really offensive. Mm-hmm. Rich, super offensive, you know, calling us fools, saying that we're going to burn in the lake of fire forever. Yeah. Everything, yeah. even going as far as calling atheists evil, you know. Yep. So I just, I just thought, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on just like the irony of that. Yeah, it's really hypocritical. I agree, and I would like to see the Pope come out and say strongly that it's not okay to walk into office buildings and gun people down, rather than you shouldn't mock people's religion. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of mockery that goes on in this country. You know, you turn on late night TV and John Stewart or lots of people are mocking everybody, and we don't see people retaliating uh, to that degree and, it's, well, and, and and criticizing John Stewart for being mocking. Yeah, and and one of the things in, in U.S. law in particular, I, I can't speak for uh, you know other sources law, but I think for probably most of the developed world. You can't invite an assault by speech alone. So if if I'm saying really horrible, vile things, um, I, that doesn't justify somebody coming up and punching me in the face, even if, if I'm insulting their mother, you know? Um, so, you know, this idea that um, the publishers of a magazine brought it on themselves because they criticized someone's religion you know, that's a blaming the victim attitude. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is basically excusing the behavior of these guys who, um, without any kind of reasonable provocation at all, walked into a magazine office and started shooting people for no reason other than, I'm pissed off. You insulted my non-existent God. And, you know... Yeah, I, I hope that um, Charlie Hebdo con- continues to publish uh, very provocative magazines. I hope this doesn't stop them. Yeah, I, I, I personally, uh, I feel like it was a bit cowardly, you know, for the, for, but, but. Well, I, 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 don't, I, I, mean, I don't even think it's cowardly because, you know, you can't be a coward and walk in, you know, and start shooting people. I mean, surely, certainly you could argue that there was an act of cowardice in that they knew that the people there wouldn't be armed and couldn't retaliate uh-huh. in kind. But, I mean, I, I think that, you know... Um, um, well, I, I meant cowardly in the, you know, just respo- the people's response who were sort of hinting, bl- almost blaming the victim, you know? Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah, I, certainly um, 
yeah, it's it, yeah, especially the Pope. I mean, yeah, he, he turns around and says that um, marriage equality is somehow you know a dire threat to the family. Well, I'm deeply offended by that, but I don't want to shoot the guy. You know, absolutely. So just to point out a few things that I feel like we're all offended by. Westboro Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. They say the craziest things. They have these signs that say God hates fags. They, you know, I'm, I'm African American, right? And th- currently, th- to this day, there's still active KKK right. uh, branches around the country. You know, there are neo-Nazi factions around the U.S. And, right. you know, a lot of them put out publications. A lot of them have you know, presence that you, that you can see if you just get on the Internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, as offensive as it is, unless they actually take their words and transition it into, into action. Yeah. Hey, you know, we, we all should have the right to say and have opinions without having to fear for our, our lives. Well, have you seen the, um, the Molly Ivins story about the Klan rally here in Austin? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, so this is like 20-something years ago, I think. And so uh, there aren't enough Klan's members in Austin to have a good Klan rally, so they had to import them from, I think, Waco. So they bust <laughs> them in from Waco. And um, home of a Baptist university, I might add. Um, anyway, and so when the Klan started their their march down Congress Avenue, uh, the people in Austin lined the, the streets of Congress Avenue, and as the Klan marched by, they turned around and mooned them. And as Molly <laughs> Ivins commented, it was kind of like the wave going down Austin, uh, Congress Avenue in Austin. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think I think that sort of response is very appropriate for that that kind of activity. I agree. I agree. Well, uh, that, that's all I called in for, and uh, I just wanted to. Uh, I appreciate your feedback and your comments. I, before I leave, I just wanted to kind of say that I mean, my opinion is when it comes to things like this. You know, there are going to be people who say things that are offensive, but then there are things that are distasteful, really, really distasteful and ugly, like, you know, Westboro Baptist Church and the KKK. Mm-hmm. But if you look at if you look at a lot of things today and compare them to where they were 10, 20 years ago, I feel like things are getting better, you know. And if you look at yeah. if you look at the way things are today compared to 50 years ago, I think that things are getting better. And I, th- I feel like... As a humanity, we're moving more towards compassion, and I feel like the compassionate uh, side of our humanity is sort of weeding out a lot of the, the you know, more barbaric and uh, uh, I don't know how to put it, but a lot of things that were acceptable in the past are just not acceptable today, and I think we're the, the trend is going in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think in general that's true, and I think a lot of it is the result of exposing some of the bad behavior and and having many people stand up and say, you know what, that's really horrible, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times um, bad behavior seemed to be the norm because people said things or did things that were awful, and no one criticized it. Yeah. And so by putting this out there and letting people see really how bad some things are, and you get people stepping up and saying, you know, that's really not okay. Yeah, even as you said, 50 years ago, the stuff that the Klan was saying was a lot more mainstream and acceptable to society, and now it's not. Yeah, even 20 years ago. I mean, you know, Steve Scalise, um, the the guy in uh, 
in, in Congress who uh, apparently mm-hmm. spoke at some kind of uh, Stormfront uh, or one storm, of those yeah, white it was, it's a white supremacist group, and, and you know he's taking a lot of heat from that now. And I'm sure that yeah. back then, that was considered perfectly mainstream. Yeah. In, at least in his circles. So, so yeah. I, I agree. I'm optimistic, too. And I think and a lot of that has to do with the just pervasiveness of, of, of social media. And people yeah. are a lot more familiar with what's going on. And mockery has its place, I think. Yeah. I, I think when you mock the Westboro Baptist Church and people see other people mocking them, then it becomes... What the, you know, what they're doing becomes a lot less acceptable to any segment of society. So and we then, should be getting more mockery. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting point because we actually get email from people saying, "Oh, you guys shouldn't mock people's religion. You're turning people off. The people that might convert to atheism, they won't now because you mocked their beliefs." And I completely disagree with that. And you know, we've got plenty of emails from people that are former Christians who deconverted uh, because of watching our show that that uh, kind of refute that claim. I'm one of them, actually. It's funny oh, that you cool. said that because uh, I, the, the thing was the thing that actually con, uh, got me to convert was Bill Maher's documentary, Religious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I watched the, the documentary, and I, I hopped online immediately and tried to debunk a bunch of the claims. The, the one that did it for me was Horace, right? And all the similarities between his story and Jesus' story. And I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> there were there were a few a few uh, few things, and that was yeah. one of them. And I hopped online. And I, I thought there was there was going to be an awesome explanation to why there's so many similarities, and I just wasn't able to find those. And on the other hand, what I found was you know a bunch of religious people basically BSing, and that sort of catapulted the transition to uh, realizing it was all BS. So. Uh, thanks, thanks, guys. I really appreciate uh, your your feedback, and you know I think it was a good conversation. And just keep doing the the great work that you guys are doing. Thank right. you, Anthony. We appreciate the call. Thanks. Cool. All right. Thanks. Okay. Next, uh, let's see. We've had Chad on the line for a while, so let's go to Chad in Atlanta. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, good. Chad, how are good. you? I'm doing well. Um, I wanted to call in because. About four years ago, I kind of started my deconversion process growing up from growing up Christian, charismatic, kind of fundamentalist. Um, and uh, I feel like I was kind of deconverting into more of a liberal Christian, like you were talking about earlier. Uh, but I found myself over the past kind of six months or so uh, finding myself in the, more of the I don't know camp, uh, about a, even with my uh, beliefs of just kind of trying to maintain that liberal Christian um, kind of faith. I just found myself gravitating to the I don't know camp. Um, and one question that I had had that my wife and I, we talk about uh, often, is the, uh, is the belief in reincarnation. Um, I know that I've read uh, different articles where they talk about young children as early as 18-month-old talking about past life experiences uh, that they could not have knowledge of and, um, and, and, and having kind of these different claims and different stories where um, it just leads me to wonder, and I, and I personally, I like the idea of kind of recycling <laughs> just for my own kind of peace of mind. And and I and I've listened to a lot of your your podcasts over the past kind of two or three weeks. Honestly, I've been plowing through them. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of get your perspective on just an atheist perspective on the idea of reincarnation. Well, I don't think we uh, would ever claim to speak for atheists in general. We can speak for ourselves. Sure, absolutely. Well, then your your perspective. Thank you. 
Uh, my perspective is, I, you know, I would love to think that reincarnation is real. I, I, as an atheist or as, an, as a skeptic, I should say, uh, I, I would need, I would, I'm not satisfied with the evidence that we have so far that, that reincarnation really happens. I've heard of some of the anecdotal stories, and I'm not sure how well they hold up under scrutiny. Uh, so, but I'm I'm always comfortable with I don't know until I get more evidence. So I don't think that's a, I don't think I don't know is a bad place to be. I think that's kind of the default place to be, and then you you kind of see what the evidence is, and uh, and you're either convinced of something or you're not. So okay. So yeah, I, I I don't see a whole lot of evidence for reincarnation. I think that we'd have a lot more a lot more of those stories if if there was something to it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. unconvinced as well. Okay, um, okay. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do have another question, if, if that's okay. Okay. Because um, that really, that I just was curious over the reincarnation. Another thing that I find myself, because um, I'm not like anti-gay or anything, like anti-different people groups and everything, and I find I get in, in conversations with people that are trying to convince me how I need to like accept God's word on hating homosexuals and not approving of them and everything, um, and as well as hell. Like, they definitely want hell. Um, and one of the uh, things that I, I feel like I get brought up a lot is the idea of free will. And uh, and I always end up kind of talking to him about how, like, I feel like it's not a choice. It's an ultimatum that you're laying out, and you can't make a free will choice um, with an ultimatum kind of setup. Um, but one of the questions that I'm wondering is is that I feel like free will is kind of a vague term where it's just like we're free to choose, but really it's kind of free to choose, you know, I feel like sometimes just according to your own experience that could be very tainting the free will. And so, and I heard uh, in, a, in a previous podcast where I don't remember who said this, but they uh, were talking about how they didn't believe that free will even existed. And I was just curious on your perspective because I'd love to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, I think the free will that most of the Christians are talking about doesn't actually exist, as in you can choose your beliefs, because you actually can't. You're either convinced or you're not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, for example, if, uh, if somebody said, okay, um, you have to be a Christian or I'm going to kill you, um, I'd be on my knees praying like crazy, but I wouldn't believe, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, assuming they had the means to do it and they were, you know, directly threatening my life. Um, You know, and somebody's going to misquote that and say, oh, see, Jen would convert if it... (laughs) Um, Do you you guys believe in free will, like, uh, in any form of a concept? um, Well, I mean, in the sense that, um, you know, I I guess I can choose to do something or not. Um, So... um, not the not the type of free will that uh, that Christians are talking about, where you could absolutely choose anything. Um, I don't think the I don't think any choice is available to you. Um, and I think that um, a lot of people, when they talk about um, a freely chosen you know decision, um, you're actually already limited to what you can choose by the circumstances that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you could completely shift gears and make a totally different choice. Um, so I, I'm probably rambling too much here, but um, but basically, you know, in order for me to make a completely um, 
different choice about my beliefs, I would have to not know a whole bunch of stuff that I know. Mm. Like, I, I, yeah, I agree, because I feel like once my mind's been opened, I can't kind of close it again. Um, is there anything that you would suggest when talking to people where, because I've been really just talking to them and just saying, it's not a choice, it's an ultimatum when you have this kind of, um, when you have this kind of equation that you're setting in front of people, it can't possibly be a choice. Yeah, uh, if, if somebody holds a gun to your head and says, give yeah. me your wallet, you, it's not really a choice that you have, to, a free choice to give them your wallet. It's, it's, a, it's a forced choice. Uh, but there's a, there's another aspect of free will that that people who like philosophy tend to get into, and that's like I can I can choose what I want to have for breakfast. But some people will claim your your brain is physical. It's your you, it's a free choice is an illusion. Your 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 brain, the way your brain functions, has has predetermined that you're going to pick cornflakes instead of scrambled eggs. And so it's not really free will. It's your if it's a physical process that your brain is doing. I I can accept that and still say the, the if if that's true, we have the illusion of free will. It's still free will from our from yeah. our perspective. It still feels like you're making a choice. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I I tend not to get too mired into those things because that can be a rabbit hole. But uh, when yeah, when it comes to something you're going to accept as true or not. Uh, you have to be convinced. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your podcast. Uh, it's been an enjoyable find for me over the past few weeks, and I look forward to continuing to listen to you guys. All right. Thank Thanks. you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. You too. Okay. So let's take uh, Kieran in London next. Okay. Hi there. Hi. How Hi are there. you? Hi, Kieran. How's it going? Good. Great. So we're we're down to about. Four minutes and 20 seconds here, so sorry <laughs> okay, to cut you off, no but problem. you got a lot. Got all right, see. so basically, all I want to do is ask you about what the current state is for Islamophobia in um, the atheist community, because at the moment, I feel like there's a lot of confusion, um, because I, I, there, there's, a lot of, there, there's a lot of deflection um, in the Islamic community from any criticism of Islam, and they label it as Islamophobia, and thereby intolerant and therefore racism, some way. And uh, I feel like the liberal, the the left is kind of playing into this in, into this narrative and helping the, these people into avoiding any criticism of their religion. So I'd just like to see what your point of view is on that. It's pretty much the same as uh, my feeling that you know the Pope thinks that religion's above criticism. Ideas are not worthy of any kind of protection from criticism. And so if I criticize Islam, um, if I criticize the actions of specific Muslims, especially those who think their God tells them to walk into a magazine headquarters and start shooting people, um, that's not Islamophobia. That's a legitimate criticism of what they do. And if that's motivated by their religious beliefs, then I'm I'm also going to criticize those religious beliefs. Well, um, the problem is so many people don't criticize their religious beliefs. Yeah. They label it as political or, 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 or geosocial, some other aspect of this, and they are looking for excuses to, lay, to, to, to put into these terrorist mouths that they're not asking for. And the, 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 the fundamental basis is it is because of religion, but, but the... the so many people in the media, at least in Britain, I don't know what the situation is 
in America, but they're almost scared of of calling it Islamic extremism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm okay with calling it Islamic extremism, but we have to be careful, I think, not to paint with too broad a brush. We were talking about the Westboro Baptist Church earlier and, you know, how they hold a placard saying God hates fags and they, you know, they picket people who have, you know, lost their, their child to, to murder and, uh, and, you know, I would call that an extreme form of Christianity and it's also, yeah. uh, fed by their belief in what, you know what they read in the Bible, so I, th- I think you know. And, and yeah, but I mean, I mean, uh, the 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 deaths caused by people committing terrorist atrocities in the name of Christianity is but a drop in the ocean compared to the destruction wrought out by Islamic uh, motivated actions throughout the world. It's it, it's ridiculous. It's it's yeah. it's nothing in comparison well, to what Islam is causing. Actually, in the U.S., mostly it's been Christian terrorists who've done, you know, the most in terms of, uh, um, well, in terms of the number of attacks, it's been Christian terrorists who've done it. Yeah, and the, and and it's I nothing in compared. I think we would all agree there's a lot of, especially in the U.S., Muslims who are peaceful and 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 kind of we talked earlier about Christians who who have a really liberal attitude that the scriptures aren't to be taken literally. I think there's a lot of Muslims, especially in this country, who feel the same way about the Quran. So, yeah. No, but the moderate Islam community are part of the problem as much as anything else. The fact that they are deflecting any criticism of their um, religion... Hey, Kieran, as, uh, they're rolling credits. we got to go. Um, Thanks for the call, and uh, we agree. Um, thanks. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, yeah we're, sorry. we're out of time. Uh, yeah, we actually agree that moderates are a problem. 